What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Take the baseline out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very special edition of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you this time without my amazing co-host, Andy Bailey. We are pleased to be joined by two guests tonight. Yes, that is that is two. We have NBA Maths Technical Director, Arjun Bardwaj, who I probably just butchered his name again. I'm really trying. I apologize to him. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. He's at ArjunBug21. That's A-R-J-U-N-E-B-U-G-2-1. We are also joined by an NBA math contributor, Chris Krause, who also reports for CNBC, and he is a staff writer for Hoops Rumors. Make sure you are following him on Twitter as well. He is at CW underscore Krause, C-R-O-U-S-E. Before we get started, I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead everybody to head over to iTunes and give us a rating, a review, subscribe if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate those and they help us out all kinds of bunches and it takes about 10 to 15 seconds of your day. So if you can do that, Andy and I will be forever in your debt and in love with you. Um, So... Today's edition of Hardwood Knox, we're kind of a little late on this, but we all needed to sync up our schedules to be able to do it. We're going to talk about uh, some of the hottest button issues that were at the Sloan Analytics Conference. Last week, um, both Arjun and Chris were there, and I was super jealous because I was not there. And I guess just to start, did you guys have a blast? Like, you know, I, I was super jealous when I found out you two were going. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having us on. Um, dude, it was, it was a fantastic time. It was... It was just there were so many people that you see on Twitter, you see like as part of the NBA and other sports leagues, and it was just like seeing them up close. Like I saw Shane Battier within within like two feet of me. It was nuts. Yeah, it was it was really a wild experience. Uh, you know, this is my second Sloan, which kind of like dubbed down the experience a little bit. But it, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a great place to go. Go next year, uh, Dan. I, ho- I hope you go next year too. Well, we should all go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've I've wanted to go for a while now, and I could just I'm always working on something, or my schedule just doesn't allot it. But I'm sure it's great. It's always interesting meeting people from Twitter or just writers that you follow from afar or on Twitter in person. Uh, I'm not, like, it's just you see all these people, and some of them you think are like these bigwigs, but like all of us writers are just like a ton of us are just super awkward, and a lot of people just look like smaller in person than you'd expect, or they're quieter in person than you'd expect. I love finding out, though, that some of my favorite Twitter 
Twitter followers and writers are super nice people. Shout out Howard Beck of Bleacher Report for that. Meeting him way back when was like one of the highlights early on because he was so super nice to me. So I hope you guys were able to interact with some cool people who turned out to actually be cool people. Yeah, absolutely. Beck included. Yes, Beck. Um, (laughs) So there are a lot of topics that went on there. I want to start with what I would imagine were the two most popular ones. Um, I'm going to throw it to you guys, though. You're going to start playoff realignment or tanking? I'm going to, let's say, Chris, what do you want to do? Playoff realignment or tanking, since this is your first time on? First time let's or pick? With, uh, the playoff realignment, because it is, I mean, it's a real issue, right? Uh, whether we should have the best 16 teams or whether you should have, you know, uh, the best eight from each conference. And I don't know, I'm of the opinion that I, I was very lukewarm on the side of keeping it the way it is. Uh, Arjun, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I thought going in, I thought I would want to see the full realignment. But when uh, when I had more conversations about it at Sloan and when I heard more people talk about it, I realized from a from a travel perspective, it is going to be incredibly hard because you, you'd imagine just just if you had to throw throw kind of the number at it that people would expect, like the top eight teams or the top, top 12 teams would be um, – would be Western Conference teams, the bottom four potentially Eastern Conference teams, or some some mix of the of the two. You'd have a lot of travel between that that one seed and, and sixteen seed, um, and as you go through, so you I think I think I want to keep it the same now, um, just because I don't know how that travel, that time zone difference, um, would really factor into the games. I'm like these guys can fly in private jets and in cryogenic chambers if they need to at this point. So I'm all for the, you know, let's go top 16. And you kind of look at it right now. I would rather see like getting both the Clippers and the Nuggets in the playoffs. If you look at the standings right now, as opposed to, you know, the Miami Heat might be fun in the playoffs, but probably not. Uh, the Jazz are on Wait, the outskirts. You don't want the Heat in the playoffs? Why? What is? I watch the Heat and their <laughs> offense makes my eyes bleed sometimes. Oh, is is. Miami Heat, the great culture. It, it is a like playoff atmosphere down Miami. Dwayne Wade's last run. You don't want to see all that. I don't think this is Dwayne Wade's last run, so that's probably. But the Heat just haven't been fun for me. Like the Joe Johnson year, like that was a fun year. Yeah. That Hornet series, that was that was great. They kind of like rehabilitated Luol Deng's career, only to see it get pissed away with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I, I would rather see both the Nuggets and the Clippers in the playoffs over the Heat, hands down. No regrets. Yeah, I'd I'd actually probably agree with you on that one. I mean, but I'm I'm maybe maybe it's not one to sixteen best sixteen teams in. Maybe maybe there's some sort of playing game or or some alternative there. I think that was that was that's been discussed. Um, probably it just probably just a little less than than the full sixteen best team realignment. Did, from the yeah. in your guys' the opinion, based on the real. vibes that you got at Sloan, does the one to sixteen format just feel kind of inevitable? Yeah, to be honest, I would actually say no. Um, wow. We heard a lot of people talking talking about it, uh, and you know the owners are actually a big part of it. You see a lot of the Eastern Conference owners uh, who are older on the older side, right? They don't want to give up their potential playoff spots, right? Those coveted those coveted uh, five hundred uh, six seeds, six and seven seeds. You're throwing a lot of shade at Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> Jordan on the younger side, but. But I mean, you can imagine, you can imagine the guys, Magic owners, right? They they don't want, if they expect to be winning in the next maybe three, four years, they expect to be in the playoff hunt. They're they're probably going to be at best five hundred. 
Chris, what say you? I mean, if you look at like the Hornets, right? Like, if you have a one one to sixteen alignment, the Hornets are sellers at the trade deadline. Like maybe like like in an alternate universe, Kemba Walker somewhere else, maybe, or at least like they're they're making different moves. So, you know, in a in a in where we are right now, I mean, this is very like short sighted. This is very looking at this year, but just just where we are right now in the one to eight, uh, I kind of like it for both conferences. Uh, I don't think the travel wow. thing is a big as big of an issue as as, as like as as people say it is i mean i'm sure they could figure it out spread it out longer it would probably have to reduce the season but i think the playing game is really what is, is really the change that will come next if if, if any change comes at all i don't i, I don't i don't really? see any change but the, yeah the playing game would be like because look at what baseball did right one night one team gets in it's 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 really it's really one of the most exciting things in in sports if you really look at it like the the one the one team one game one win gets you in and I mean if you look at the matches right now like you look at the Heat Pistons and and you look at the you know the Clippers Nuggets like who who's not watching those on a Tuesday Wednesday night I guess here's my issue with the I'm I'm four one to sixteen and I kind of want I guess so let me start there before I get to the playing was there like who aside from the travel what was the cases against it like what I'm I'm like I'm curious just to know was there anyone that said something an owner that really because both of you especially Arjun so I guess maybe I'll throw this to you kind of all of a sudden seem against it now and so I'm wondering what did someone said like who can what was the argument other than the travel against this just the fact that oh hey uh, I own an Eastern Conference team and I need to make sure that I have the chance to get in the playoffs yeah I mean I mean it I I was with you going into this conference and just hearing so many voices just kind of saying like. You know, this really isn't probably going to happen. There's, there's just the average. You look at the average age of owners. You just, I, it, it just, I, I almost say like it didn't really assuage my opinion or it didn't, it didn't persuade me. It just kind of made me look, look at it inevitably not happening, um, which is unfortunate. It, it, it was just a handful of people just, just who, who had some sway, just, just like kind of talking about it casually, that they really didn't think it was going to happen. The, so the issue with the play-in, and I guess if you add the play-in, that's the incentive because then mm-hmm. uh, teams like the Heat and the Jazz would be looped into the top 16 this year and then the, the Hornets would be closer. But if you're going to all of a sudden, assuming it's a four-team play-in and so we're dealing with the 16, uh, 15, 16, 17, and 18 teams, I just – the field is kind of – like in the MLB it works because all like two-thirds of the league isn't making the playoffs. But if we have 18 of 30 teams – like making some form of the playoffs it just it dilutes it down even further and it seems like something like that and this was something that was um, I believe you told me we talked about at the conference that would have to tie in with like expansion throw in two extra teams like to the league just so that it's not because already more than half the teams make the playoffs and if you go with the a total of 18 and you're dealing with a play and that's so close to two-thirds of the league and it's like what are we even doing what's the point like these are participation trophies almost at that point Right. Yeah, the, play- the playoffs should really be a thing where you strive for it, and it's not easy to get there. And you know, you're exactly right. Like the expansion is, it, it, we have enough talent in the league to expand. So, so why not add an extra team in in X city, X city, and now add the playing game? I think that I think that is the ultimate scenario. See, I, I would love that to happen. Um, but again, this was another thing that was just a hot button topic. Throughout the conference, just people talking about potentially expansion or exp- potentially expanding, 
But everyone seemed to say, you know, that's that's really not going to happen with this current set of owners. They everyone seemed to think that that hey, we're gonna we're just gonna end up moving a team out to out out to Seattle or out to Vegas. But who uh, go? I mean, like who's who's moving to Seattle? Who's allowing that to happen? What city is allowing that to happen? I think a lot of Memphis I mean, fans are feeling uneasy. A lot of maybe Pelicans think, fans think, too. Maybe, maybe some Nola. Maybe some. Uh, Maybe some uh, Memphis, like Dan says, maybe even Orlando, right? Their owner is like 90, 90 years old. Can we also talk oh, about, this not- is off topic, but Orlando has like Disney on its jerseys, and the fact that it's not a Mickey Mouse logo or something like that, <laughs> it just it makes me mad every time I see it. But carry on, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, that was about it. I think, I think those three, I mean, seem to be the clear, clear guys to go. So they think that it's going to be relocation over expansion. That's like the general sentiments right now. Yeah, I think the owners like the like the amount of money they're sharing. I think, I think some of these some of these franchises aren't as aren't, aren't as lucrative as uh, as as the average. Yeah, no, no change is going to happen overnight. I don't think any expansion, any format changes until the next TV deal. Because like that that that'll really be like okay like what kind of what kind of pie are we breaking up and can we break it up thirty two ways can we break it up, or do we like our thirty ways and they like what they just broke up thirty ways and I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna change it until the next deal though well it might be a, that might be a good litmus litmus test timeline just because if the league uh, basically a decade from now or eight nine years whatever you want to say from now is still flush with all these superstars because there's there's enough talent to have thirty two teams at this point like that's just there's no question there. And if it's still like that in a decade and the game is still as popular, maybe that's when expansion appeals to them more because they're not worried about having smaller slices of, of revenue pie or whatever. And the revenue sharing system is just, it's totally fucked. Like it's in the, in the sense that I'm not saying it doesn't make sense, but it's always when these reports comes out and you have all these teams losing money, but are they really losing money? You have the teams making money that are pissed at the teams that are losing money. It's just, there's so much like minutiae to it that it's, it's confusing. Even when you get the behind the scenes details from like Lowe or Brian Winhurst at ESPN.com. And I could see why they might be opposed to expansion, but if the league has, this global appeal still in a few years or a half decade or a decade or all this star power still, it almost just feels inevitable. And I don't think you look at like where, like looking at the teams right now, I, we just like kind of broached them. Like, I don't know who you move. Like there are markets that are small. I get it. Maybe you move New Orleans, but like Memphis has a very loyal fan base. So very it's loyal. Just, we saw what happened with the Kings when they tried to got moved like to Seattle. So it's just, uh, there, there doesn't seem to be like an easy removable team, and where whatever team actually would relocate, like that owner is just gonna like be the next Clay Bennett, essentially. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and for for what it's worth, if you guys are looking for for a timeline, um, Seattle's got this got this new stadium renovations that are six hundred sixty million dollar uh, stadium renovations that are supposed to be done by twenty twenty. They're trying to get a new NHL franchise, and they're also also seem to be a prime spot though. For an NBA franchise. It seems like the top two would be Vegas and Seattle, right? I know there's been yep. like noise about uh, Virginia Beach was one of them, or that like in Virginia, and then there was uh... well, a. Okay, that comes from 2K because like for some reason Virginia Beach is like a huge like relocation place on 2K um, on, a, on a video game. Was the other one? New, is it New Mexico? Is that like the other one that people are? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mex- oh, Mexico City as well. Yeah, so I mean, just like 
I I don't know. So I mean, but it seems like Vegas and Seattle be the top. Seattle needs a basketball team. Like it's just it's yep. just it's a travesty that they don't have one. Yeah, I'm out here for work all the time, and there are people who are just just fiending for a new basketball team. I mean, I hope they get one, but I don't. It's such a when you're talking about relocation, it's awkward because I don't want to. I, like, even if it makes business sense to move a team like the Pelicans, I, it, New Orleans has probably got to be the smallest market in the NBA. And But, I like, to take the team out of New Orleans just seems like, I don't, like, that makes me feel shitty to say that. <laughs> what would it take? I mean, would it take Anthony Davis leaving? I mean, they're not gonna, they can't do that with Anthony Davis there. That's the problem is we say this now, and because they have Anthony Davis or the Memphis, like, fans are super passionate. But, like, what is going to happen to some of these teams? And I don't even mean to single out those two if their stars leave or they go through a rebuild. And that's – it seems like even an issue in Charlotte. Like, Michael Jordan has spent like hell to remain in the middle of the Eastern Conference to avoid this rebuild because Charlotte doesn't seem like a market that's going to be able to float a bad team for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. no. Charlotte – man – as much as I like Michael Jordan as a Bulls fan, I dude's got to start just just tanking. I mean, even even with the even what a with segue. the I like it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> got it. <laughs> um, no, he he's just got to he's just got to sell Walker, got to sell Kemba for for dollars on the on the seventy five cents. That, pennies, that's the right they need salary. Like it's they're at a point where they. And first of all, they, they really screwed up by not moving him at the deadline where you can sell a year and a half of him. Now you have to move him as an expiring contract if you're going to move him at all. But they're at the point – their salary sheet is just so messed up that it's not, hey, let's trade Kemba and get like these – I know he said like they wanted an all-star caliber play in return. Like, no, what you need to do is get out from under Nicholas Batum's contract or get out from under uh, Marvin Williams's deal. Like, the, like you need salary cap relief is what you need to use Kemba Walker for. I mean, if you're Charlotte, like you're not getting any free agents, so like the the salary cap really doesn't do anything for you. The the, the salary space. That's true. I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if I ship away Kemba just to get rid of Nick. You want to pay Kemba's next contract? That's the other thing. I love Kemba <laughs> Walker, but like if I'm the Hornets, that's you know I, I so you made a good point that they're not going to be this free agency destination. But are you going to pay? I, I believe Kemba's going to be 29 when he signs his new contract. I just is is he gonna age well? And you want to give him what, what is he gonna cost? Like maybe the the market is still kind of restrictive, but you want to pay a twenty nine year old Kemba a five year deal at let's even say conservatively like twenty twenty five million. Like no, you don't want a part of that next contract. So I but what was so what were the sentiments on like tanking that were kind of emanating? out of Sloan. There are so many different solutions out there, and we do have the lottery changing in 2019. The three worst teams are going to have an equal shot at getting the number one pick. Uh, was there other stuff proposed there that you guys found interesting? And um, let me throw it to Chris first. I will say, like, I think the I think some of the owners are a little resentful towards tanking. Um, I noticed it on the, uh, I, I call it the grand finale hinky uh, pa- panel. And <laughs> Trust the, the process panel. The, yeah, the trust the process panel. Uh, the substance owner was like really like coming at Hinky for what he did, and this was like I mean, some time has passed. Like all, all the hearts should have healed by now, and it, it seemed like it seemed like it was just a you know, there's people who like tanking, people who understand it, and there's people that say, hey, like this this is bad for the league, and they're, they're always going to think like that. Uh, so I mean. And, and then there was also a sentiment of like when when Lawrence Frank of, of the Clippers was talking about like oh yeah we got like we got this first round pick we're very excited about this first round pick 
and like they're going to get like the 16th or 17th pick. And you know, it was mentioned that it was mentioned during the conference that uh, Kawhi Leonard was the 15th pick and Giannis was the 15th pick. And there's you know there's talent to be had in the middle. And like Daryl Morey said, like you know they're like the league has become bad at drafting, so you can find this talent later on in, in the draft. I think that's just that's just overly optimistic. It's a little delusional. And I mean, the Clippers are there with that. And I, I mean, not not to get on the tangent, but the Clippers will go to that later. But yeah, the the whole idea about tanking is is I mean, it in a way it's the right move, but in, I understand the business sense it's not. And you you can see both sides there at, at Sloan. Yeah, what's what's super interesting to me is that the so this panel was uh, was Steve Pagliuca, co-owner of uh, Celtics. Chris Bosh was on there. Uh, Sam Hankey and Lawrence Frank, uh, and and it was just just super interesting, uh, differing views in this. You had you had a lot of people thinking about the franchise, right? Whether whether you can truly tank if you if you have a if you have a, a, a franchise in a city that that's a hotbed for free agents like the Clippers do, right? So they can go they can go with the they can come and get a bunch of free agents coming in um, and not necessarily need to go full on. Um, not necessarily need to build consistent assets, but you, Dan, you mentioned Charlotte. Charlotte's not a hotbed. How can that city support tanking? Um, but there's a lot of a lot of a lot of good conversation in that in that. And Steve Pagliuca definitely was throwing some shade, um, his shade at uh, at Sam Hinkie. Sam uh, didn't deserve that. He didn't. Deserve no, that. he he didn't. And 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 actually, there was a lot of talk about people people trying to say trust the process and saying it was process was over and trying to make a determination of the process but it's not over right it's you, you see in baseball with the cubs with the with the astros it's not truly over until until you've won that won that championship which i mean we get in a whole another another conversation about about if about how it's a championship driven league but but the idea is that it's still it's still going right you've got you've got these two studs you've got um You've got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You've got some extra pieces in Rocco and uh, Sarge. Um, you have the the cap space to to pick up a, a big time contract, right? You you can start wooing LeBron to to Philly, but but you you can't. It, it's hard, right? You you got to you got to justify your tanking with with actually collecting assets and not move not continue to move access assets, cost bulls. Um, <laughs> and and you and and I, I, there, there's a balance there, right? You you there's only so many times you can hit in the draft, um, but you've got to balance getting getting cheap assets with with continuing to at least stay stay in contention, right? Stay stay in contention of of not being the last team in the league. And no one like we're talking about this like the Sixers were ever becoming this role model for anyone right. and they they haven't even when like even if i if i guess if they win a championship with this core they could but at you the one year or the two year incidental tanks where it's because of injuries uh, those are right. more popular than what what Sam Hinkie did and perhaps the two things that i think were his biggest issue is that he just did like displaced himself it seems like from relationships with players and ticked off a lot of agents and other teams and trade talks. Yep. There's nothing inherently wrong with what he did, but there is like there's a there's a person like a person to person relationship aspect of this business which he he probably needed to be better at. The other thing was and I think this is like for ownership to bail out on Hinky, like that's that's what rattles me even more is like yep. he went we know he went into Sixers ownership with this plan and right. the NBA kind of like 
needles hit, like kind of forced him out and for, like lets the Colangelo's in there and ownership had to let it happen. They should have pushed back more. Like this is your baby. And like, that's what was screwed up to me. And so even if the Sixers pan out, like, yes, the process will have worked, but it, it will, what will the version of it be? And now we'll never know. Like you were deep enough to like, let's see if this actually works. And if you don't want tanking in the NBA, you need to come up with a system that de incentivizes it. And they haven't done that yet because even under the new format, Okay, like you have the equal lottery odds as two other teams if you have the worst record, and then there are better chances for other teams to move up in the lottery, but that's still your most efficient way to getting the best picks is to have the better odds, and that hasn't changed. So was there any way or were there any things floated in that like trust the process panel of of how to address tanking? Uh, I would say like they they definitely – they definitely made it seem as if tanking isn't the only option to getting the superstar player. You can still get it somewhere else. You can still get it in the middle rounds. And the Celtics, it, by the way, need to like shut the hell up about that because yeah. they like you got <laughs> I, a fantastic eight, uh, job that Danny Ainge has done. But like you got you got lucky. I don't want to hear like yeah. oh well Rondo really didn't play that much in 2013 2014. I'm not saying you were tanking, but you weren't expecting to be good for quite some time after selling off. Paul Pierce and, and Kevin Garnett, and not every team is going to be fortunate enough to find another team as desperate as the Nets. And I also well, not just that, not just that. Imagine they don't. Imagine they trade the four first round picks for Justice Winslow. Right, like so you, you can't always save like general managers from. And the other thing is, is like we conflate tanking with incompetence too much. Uh, I, no one's right. going to tell you that the Kings have been tanking for the last century. <laughs> it's just so. It's just like. You know, uh, even this year, like the Kings weren't really tanking for a huge part of the season. They they like decided to play their their younger guys. So there's we have to remember that there's a difference between incompetence and tanking, and that kind of colors this discussion as well. And if you do ever address the tanking issue like fully, like I don't know if you guys are aware aware of or if that was talked about this year at all at Sloan, like the wheel model where teams are like basically scheduled to be at certain points. Um, in the draft process, like over the years, if you do something like that, like hell yeah, it'd be interesting, and hell yeah, it helps tanking. But you give a, a team more of an opportunity to screw themselves over by hey, if are like, are they allowed to trade the number one pick when they're scheduled to have it? And then there are going to be teams that do that because they just they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. And so if you get rid of tanking, you're never going to get rid of like incompetence. So that that to me is the harder thing to police. Yeah, and what's what's funny to me is that is that like you mentioned with the Celtics, it's it's you have the you have the the owners and the GMs who are who are as you say incompetent, right? And they're the ones, and so the owners and GMs who are preying on those guys are the ones who who consistently say, oh, tanking's bad, tanking's bad. Like you don't want to like just look at us, right? Because we are consistently winning. Oh, we're a consistent winning team. Um, Celtics, right? Mike Mike Zarin in another panel actually was talking in NBA Two was this panel that that was talking about new age analytics, right? Ben Falk actually moderated it, but 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 they were they were just talking about like like they fleeced the Brooklyn Nets, right? They they won a championship, immediately traded away Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, got a ton of picks, traded picks, ended up with Kyrie, and it's just a cycle of preying on GMs who couldn't do a damn, like like right. and is this. Is, is there any real merit in what I like what the Pelicans have done? They were they were bad the year that they got the Anthony Davis draft pick, and then they were bad the year after that, and then all of a sudden they just went into like buyer's mode. 
it's just I again I understand because Anthony Davis is really good, but is there that like what I'm just trying to think like you they went aggressive with trades. You go after Drew Holiday, you signed Tyreek Evans, you you had um, Eric Gordon as well already that you eventually resigned in restricted free agency. Uh, it's is is there really anything admirable in that? Like I, I, Anthony Davis is so good that he masks a lot of their problems, and they now they're at the point when he's and I believe he's in what is this his sixth year? He's like he's not even twenty five yet, and I feel like he's been around for a decade. Now you're at the point where you don't have a choice other than to make the trade that you did for Nikola Mirotic because you have to worry about his free agency coming up in a couple of years. But before that, like I just don't know. I you know I don't admire them for trying to expedite the process around Anthony Davis. Like I get the appeal, but you probably have to try and balance it. And I get that that's an art in itself. But there are always going to be these types of mistakes. And I just fail to see how tanking has been an epidemic when really one the Sixers are the only ones who have tried to just really milk it over the past like whatever. And then when there are teams that yes they've been bottle of the bottom of the barrel for a while, but it, it, these are like self inflicted wounds for the most part. You know, you know, to go along with the tanking idea, there was a in the NBA two point there was something floated out. Um, it was super casual. Uh, Mike Zarin actually joked about it. Who's a um, who's a, who's a front office guy for for the for the for Celtics as well. Um, but the idea of trading cap space, just straight up trading money. I know you got to do you people do it now, but they do it through players and 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 I don't know. I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, the uh, like restructuring, uh, it's really radical. But like, I, I would, I'm for all ways, all ways of of creating more trades, creating more liquidity in in your assets, and basically making sure that you can actually get the star player you want by any means, right? So, like right now, like the Celtics have all these assets; they can go and they they can trade, and like other teams have all the assets, like like the Suns or. Uh, like the Sixers, right? They have young players. They can go out and get the player they want. If you can trade, uh, if you can trade cap space, if you could like put more restrictions on your actual draft picks, like you have more tools in your toolbox, and it really will separate the good GMs from the bad GMs. And yeah, the incompetence is a problem. I I agree. It's like we should we should not, but we should not reward that by by putting safeguards there. I. The, the trading in cap space is an interesting idea. I just, I feel like there could be so many. Uh, it opens up avenues for teams that wouldn't necessarily be free agency players to then, as you guys said, go out and get that star. But do do we almost like we open up like another? And again, there's no perfect solution, but you open up another layer of issues where it's like if Team X signs player, <coughs> excuse me, over the summer because they know that they're going to get in addition to the cap space back, where they're going to be able to prey on another team and flip a player there, and now all of a sudden you have to worry about players and really distrusting organizations. Like, with the whole Blake Griffin thing. Like, that's not an example of basically flipping cap space, but, like, the Pistons could have re-signed him, pitched him on being a lifelong clipper with the intent to just trade him for cap space plus assets. But I, I, I mean, they're getting paid anyway, and it would be super interesting, and I'm all for the chaos associated with trades, but I'm not sure, does that curtail... Like tanking, does it open the door? I, I honestly, I have no, I have no idea. It would be super interesting to see though. It'd be, it'd be cool to, and this would never happen, but to have like these, you know, two year samples. Like the NBA is just like, hey, we're gonna do this for the next two years, and then we're just gonna change it up. You know where they could do something like that? A developmental uh, minor league 
like the G League, except expanded. I think they call that the NCAA these days. Oh boy, um, <laughs> what was the what were the sentiments there? Minor league basketball, basically. Everyone's in, man. Everyone's in yeah. on minor league basketball. Um, and actually, so we got we uh, we were uh, we were uh, kind of blessed enough to to see Obama speak, President former President Obama. And he was all for it, the idea of, of a developmental league, right? You see, you see it working in uh, in game in sports like hockey and uh, and and baseball. So why why wouldn't it work in in something like like um, like basketball? Yeah, and Daryl Morey mentioned this in another panel about like how you know he wishes he could figure out who is going to get the money and who is going to you know basically not basically take the money and then no longer have the work ethic to continue on i think the developmental league will help you get more talent in especially if it replaces the ncaa uh which i mean i mean the ncaa has its own problems right now and the <laughs> you know <laughs> the, the g league is coming along and i think i think you could get a system where you get these these younger athletes coming in you pay them you see them develop you put them in organizations and you can kind of get a gauge on whether or not they are going to be the player that you want them to be, you know, once, once all the life happens. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's like a under discussed thing about how do these players perform once they get their first contract or once they get their next contract. Yeah. There's and, a lot of psychological, I I'm with you, man. There, there's a lot of psychological discussion, right? It's like someone who gets paid, right? How do they, how do they react? How, what's the maturity level? I mean, it happens with baseball all the time, right? If you're a, if you're a 19-year-old kid who's a superstar, aka Bryce Harper in baseball, you you're gonna make it up to the bigs in in within a couple of years, right? Or less than that, maybe a year year and a half. Um, but if you're a guy who's a little bit slow developing, or or maybe you have some struggles, maybe maybe for some reason you're striking out a lot. The minors can't get the, can't get the home run ball. Maybe it takes you till age 24 to get to get the majors, a la Aaron Judge, and then you become a superstar. I think there's I think it would be a great spot to see those diamonds in a rough that that show up that with a little bit of coddling, right? With a little bit of teaching and and coaching and 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 uh, and ability and like kind of leeway to to become more mature. Um, I think it would be an awesome awesome air like it would be an awesome league, right? It'd be an awesome concept, and it's it works. It it, it if you look at other sports, it works. The only thing I'll say against it, and I don't know, like maybe this has been addressed to it, but like you don't know what this, like what are the salaries going to be like if they really go all in on this, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with, and this is a problem just for me, uh, like in baseball, is you have these guys get their first, you know, what you play your way up, but then all of a sudden, like actual, like a judge, when is he going to like be eligible to get his first real contract, and all of a sudden, like you're shelling out money to these guys who are who are older. Maybe it's not a problem in the NBA as much because you can't hand out 10-year deals, right. if that makes any sense. Like, I don't, like, you know what, you don't need to be given, like, 27-year-old Aaron Judge a 10-year contract, and obviously that can't happen in the NBA, but if you, if the process to getting there is slower, but again, if you're, if you're good at identifying, like, who's going to come up for, I, I don't know, the, the salary scale would be interesting for me and how that would work. I'm all for like just more emphasis on like the G League model and turning it into something bigger and more lucrative. But I, I would love to see, and I don't know if this was addressed at all, but I, I would love to see like kind of what the like the play would be there. I you mean, have, you just you have to have short term contracts for yeah. the G League. 
I mean, they, they can't they can't transfer. They have to, you know, there has to be an age restriction. And right now it's one year. Maybe it's going to be two years. Maybe it's going to be one year still. And they cannot they cannot transfer over to the NBA. You still got you still the rookie scale. Leave everything how the NBA is, and because because I, th- I think the NBA has a model for how to pay their players. Mm-hmm. Now, I know LeBron should probably make sixty five million as uh, I think Nate Silver said it over the weekend. And maybe he should, maybe he should, but he's taking less because he's going to get more endorsements and the middle guys are going to get paid. So I think the NBA has it right with the salary structure and you can't, you cannot end up like a baseball situation. Yeah. And I think the uh, NBA also has the cap salary cap. I mean, that's, that's like the number one thing that prevents these giant contracts. And there is, there is a a max contract level. So I, I think there are safeguards in place, but why can't you have a three-year league, right? And you pay an 18-year-old exactly what an agent would pay him to go to Indita school. Uh, <laughs> why, why can't you do that? Or, or pay, pay however much, even though Duke's, Duke's, Duke's books are closed, however much Coach K is paying one of the, or one of his bag men are paying, paying one of these guys to come there to play for a year. I mean, you can do that, right? You can, you can pay him, pay him $75,000, a year um, and, and see how they do for a year. Um, maybe they stay at that contract uh, for for the next couple of years because they're not ready to go big time. But maybe you do have an 18 year old who would have who who's or maybe you do have a guy who's 19 now and would have been a one and done guy in the NBA. But now he has better coaching, better resources, um, got a taste of, of of real life a little bit more, and you can see that he's he could potentially be a stud now. Now that you you've seen his his maturity handling money, you've seen his you've seen his um, maturity and, and performance in in uh, a pool of players who are a lot potentially a lot more talented than the average um, college basketball player. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you have like, I mean, the we get into like civil rights with this, or just like wait, yeah. like, wor- workers' yep. rights when you're talking about. A lot of people don't even want a salary cap or a max salary in the NBA. You you probably still need to do something like that with college players, like regardless of where that money's coming from, whether it's a third party or not, because you also don't want like the complacency is yeah you'd want to find out how they're going to handle their money or like fame and fortune, um like before they get to the NBA obviously, but you don't like how much are these how much would Nike have paid LeBron to go to a school for one year. Like it's just like, and if right. if you can make more doing that than you can entering the NBA, that's where it would become a problem. That's true. You, you know, you want you want the best athletes to come and go pro, and then have like free reign, right? You don't want that at the at the amateur level. Which call call NCAA what you want. It's still amateurs, right? They deserve to be paid, and that's my own opinion. That's not the opinion of any. <laughs> I feel like that's just a, that's a fact. Like they that's just need to be paid. It's not. It's not even an opinion anymore. If you're against them, I hate the whole tuition is is yep. like like it's just like shut like shut the hell up if that. Like I just I don't I don't have time. Like they deserve to be paid. I get there's intricacies that have to go into it. And can the money come from the school when there are sports that don't generate revenue? And that's why the third parties are appealing. But then if you get the third parties involved, again, I, I do think, and I actually don't know if this has really been talked about, and, and if it has, maybe I'm just ignorant to it. Like, what? Like, wouldn't you be worried about, like, athletes all of a sudden, what if they can get more from a shoe company going to a college? Like, Oh, they should, though. They, I mean, but they should, though, right? Like, so so if you look at, like, a like the top, like, 20 schools, 25 schools, 
like they can afford to. Ohio State, Michigan, they can all afford to pay these athletes. It's your second team schools that are not going to be able to. So if they get a top athlete, like Nike wants to come through and say, hey, we'll endorse you. Like who who like like if you're if you're a regular eighteen year old, you're working at like JP Morgan and and, a, and Nike comes through and says, Hey, like we we wanna like endorse you. We wanna like have you in a photo shoot. Like what is what is wrong with that in the world? There's nothing wrong with that in the world. No, there, there's not. And I, I think my thing would just be more like could is the is it possible that we could run into an issue where and maybe they wouldn't because shoe companies know that or like that it's better to have their clients or eventually like whatever like they know that it's better to have them in the NBA, but could we run into issues where someone would be getting paid more, a lot more, to be in college than they would if they went pro when it's clear that they should be pro already? Like, that would just be my only question. Maybe that's been – I everything you just said is spot on. That would just be my only question. What, what if they put parameters around it, right? Like, what if they said, okay, like, if you're Nike, you can't just sponsor one athlete. You just sponsor the team. Ooh, I like that. But then it's like, yeah. you know, are you are you like screwing over the player who or two that are the reason that that team's getting? So I, I think there's imperfect models, but I think there would have to be parameters on it, which would still be, even though a lot of people don't like that because there are parameters in the NBA right now, it would still be an improvement over the current uh, situation, which is just which is just super exploitive. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, what is this? And I'm ignorant to this um, because I was so busy. I want to know about both gusters. I'll, I'll start here because I was super hyped about this. Working in the data industry, um, data science industry, and, and loving analytics, loving loving data, but kind of always always wanted to tie the business around to it. Um, this is like the perfect um, – well, actually, let me, let me back up a second because I won't say it's the perfect thing, but it is a fantastic example of how data can improve the lives, the regular business lives of, of a coach, right, or, or regular sports lives of a coach um, – and I know there's I don't I don't want to tread too carefully here, but but I do want to say that there's a balance of analytics and, and eye test and just knowing the game. And if you're a coach, before I get into what the actual thing is, if you're a coach that doesn't want to have the most information possible um, before you personally make the decisions because you are the basketball expert, I you probably shouldn't be coaching. Uh, but I feel but, like you're <laughs> speaking directly to Derek Rose stands right now too. I, I, <laughs> I, I I like Derrick Rose, man. I still like him, but you you know that I still like him. But God damn, he's a bad basketball player right now. He also and seems he, like a pretty bad human bad. being, but I guess that's... Let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but but Boast Gusters was this was this thing made by a bunch of really really freaking smart smart people, and what it does is imagine you're a coach on the sideline. You sketch up you're sketching up a play on on uh, a whiteboard. What if instead you're sketching up a play on a tablet and the tablet automatically generates the defense that would be expected to be played by the team you're playing? Damn. That's exactly what this does. And so I had no so, idea small little pills could do that. <laughs> no. So they're this is exactly what they're doing, and it's 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 kind of insane. And I'm sure there's lots of refinement, lots of optimization that could go into it. But giving the coach the ability to, hey, I'm already gonna draw up a play. Um, now I'm going to be able to also kind of auto-generate what we expect the defense to play. And maybe this increases the, the, the value of a coach because you have to be able to interpret this, this data. You have to be able to say – you have to be able to try to outsmart what the defense would do. Um, but but that's, that's pretty much it, right? It's this idea that it takes all the data, player tracking data that's out there right now um, and, and says, okay, I'm playing the Chicago Bulls. 
this is what I expect. Um, uh, this this is what I would expect Hoiberg to to how how I would expect Hoiberg to defend um, double horns play right is if I'm the Pelicans, um, and I think I think that's that's just such a such a unique kind of use of something that coaches already do, um, and it just improves that that whole process. Yeah, that I I wouldn't. That's awesome. I wouldn't have. I don't know why anyone would have a problem with that. Someone would inevitably come up with a problem with that. <laughs> like, oh, I'm spending too much time on my iPad. Like, because you can see it, right? Like, you're you're almost like you're almost like drawing up scenarios where you're saying, okay, like if I or do a pick and roll here, like this is what's going to happen, or I do X Y Z. And I mean, it, there's really no problem with it. The, the problem is going to be, you know, if you're a coach, you're gonna you're gonna probably like spend too much time on this app. Well, that's so. So this maybe this you hire like a my... tablet guy because, like, what about the older coaches who might not be like into that stuff? And I'm not again. I'm yeah, not using no, no, saying no, no, would be like Greg Popovich might need like an assistant coach that just handles the tablet for him. Dude, that's a great point because the NFL has the serv- the Microsoft services on the on the sidelines, right? And you don't you don't see the head coach most of the time. You don't see the head coach with it, but you see you see his assistant coaches with it, and they're they're gathering as much data as as they possibly can. To help the head coach or the offensive coordinator, the defense coordinator, make the best decision possible, and that gets into something that is incredibly infuriating for me. There continues, even at this sports analytics conference, continues to be people who are on both sides of the fence. Say either make all the decisions based on analytics, or or throw out all analytics. You haven't played the game. You got to make your own decision. There are people on both sides of it, and it is the most infuriating thing that people can't realize that it is a total gray area. You should be using as much data as possible to help make your own individual decision because you are an expert of the game. You can't throw a bunch of analytics people who have never seen a basketball court. You can't throw them on the, on in a coaching situation, but you also can't throw. You can't also can't expect uh, a basketball vet to compete without. Any any data, right? Competing based on their their experiences in 1985, right? And you know what's great, or maybe it's awful about that, but Daryl Morey is kind of <laughs> like identified as like this crusader against the balance. Mm-hmm. But he has such, and this is not for me talking to him. This is just from what I know and what I've heard, what I've read. He has such an appreciation for for people's feel for the game. And I believe he's even said that about Mike D'Antoni. Yep. Like, he gives Mike D'Antoni a bunch of free reign, and I know that Mike D'Antoni has these analytics at his disposal. I know that either Daryl Morey is giving them to him or he has assistance on his staff or he's doing it himself and he's pouring over this data, but he trusts coaches' feels for the game. So that, that aspect is never going to go away, but there needs to be a balance. And why is there... Why is there a problem with a balance? Like it doesn't have to be. And it's if you cite numbers or you do something, it's automatically oh well. You don't watch basketball ever. Like you know what? You're right. I actually haven't watched a single NBA game this season. <laughs> yeah, it's and and you know you you find this in 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 my day to day work too, right? You see lots of people who just want to throw data at a problem and don't don't kind of help make help someone make a business decision. They expect a machine to make all the all the decisions for them. That's not that's not how this works. You need people who understand the data, understand the context of the situation. And sure, every stat tells a story, shout out to NBA math, but <laughs> we will never put out a stat that has no context. There's always going to be context around it. Like, sure, um, 
Sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of a great example right now. Well, um, okay, so but, NBA <laughs> Mass total points added, which yeah. is just a catch-all way of measuring like how valuable a player is. NBA Math and its creator, Adam Frommel, who is an uh, awesome dude. You should follow him at Frommel09. But like, we're, neither he nor us nor anyone affiliated with NBA Math is pretending that like that's the end-all, be-all of everything. And most people who use numbers, they don't tout them as just like, well, this is what this says, so it's just the it's just right. Like, I, maybe there are some people that do that, and there are things as data dumps, but just, like, I, unless you, like, I just don't see a surfeit of it, I guess. Like, I don't I don't see, like, a tons of people are just saying, like, well, you know, the, Kevin Durant sucks because he's hitting a fewer uh, percentage of his pull-up threes than Victor Oladipo this season. You know what I mean? So it's just, I, yeah. I, I don't, I like, that stuff is just, I struggle, like, why people, it's not even people who think there need to be two extremes it's just the people who assume that there are one like that there is no balance involved yeah i think initially uh when a lot of the analytics started becoming mainstream people got a little anxiety about okay this like oh we're going stat based we're going stat based oh no we can't do this because because oh i'm seeing this in person and yeah if you look at like tpa for example like i mean there are like there are good players that are going to like shine in that stat but there are also players that are going to like be in their role and be able to contribute the most and also be like in the top percentage of that stat. So like every stat has, every stat has its, its, its players that say, Hey, this makes sense for this. And then you have to look at context. And I think context is the real key to, to analytics. And even feel for the game and what you're seeing, like context is just king everywhere. And that's, that's a great point because, because, Sure, because you can always have stats that that look perfect to the eye test. But what about the stats that don't, right? And and that they may for the for the most part look look normal, but but there are outliers. And I want to know, I want to understand why those outliers exist. Like like, are you do, do you want a player to play more? Like, do you want to maybe maybe that's maybe that's worth testing out against a game against the the Magic or Kings, right? You play a you play a guy a little bit more and see how he does with the with the fatigue factor with the with the extra extra minutes right um but but those types of things are honestly the 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 times that the data doesn't make sense are the times that you need an expert to come in and say hey let's let's try it out potentially or let's i can tell you exactly why that's not going to be the case and you need you need the context and you need the people who are experts in the field right so the experts who the basketball experts you need them to really interpret the stats and the data as as best as they can, being the domain experts, and balance also embracing both sides. Or there there are more sides now. Like they're like think about how the uh, teams employ dietitians, or they, they yep. like they have all these trainers and like all this different equipment, and there's like all these different kinds of trainers. Uh, the sleep studies are being conducted. Like yeah, you know we're gonna indulge all this. We're gonna soak up, sponge up all this information. That just that's like just more. It's more jobs in the league. It's more areas of specialty that you can focus on if you want to cover the league. It's just, like it's just more. It's more stuff and people who are afraid of more information, more context. I I don't honestly know. Is there a word yeah. for them? Cowards, maybe. I, like what? I, so it's just I I've never understood that um, even a little bit. So I'm I'm with I'm with you, Arjun. I'm happy that you got passionate about something. <laughs> um, two of the things that I wanted to close with, uh, you had texted me, Arjun, about her hoop stats. Uh, what went on with that at Sloan? 
Yeah, dude. Her, so her, her hoop stats is um, is this this awesome site uh, that that got started by uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Barzilai. I, I I I'm butchering his last name, but he's a guy who used to used to work for the NBA, um, and he's he's just a great great guy, right? And he started this website. Uh, it's mostly focused on on women's college basketball, but but he recognized the fact that women's sports aren't aren't well represented in in data, right? You can get data about men's French league one handball, but you can't get the <laughs> data about about the WNBA or or women's college basketball. You can't get those advanced statistics, right? And whether whether you you want to talk about betting or not, but 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 this this is this is a, a super passionate project that he has, and I'm I'm all for it, right? So so NBA Math has a couple women uh, WNBA uh, metrics, but we but data collection is so sparse. Right. Um. You can get a little bit. You can get a little bit about the WNBA on Basketball Reference, but college basketball there is almost nothing. So there. So herhoopstats.com. Um. Uh. The, the Twitter account is uh is uh her her hoop stats no space. Uh, no spaces at all, but they're they've they've got the sub- subscription that that gives people access to to data about women's college basketball. Right, it, some of it's some of it's basic, which again it's insane that 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 data is not tracked. Things things as simple as is offensive rebounds, right? The fact that it's not tracked at at large um, is absolutely ridiculous. But but they also track track a lot of the a lot of the advanced statistics. They start creating creating their own statistics. Um, and, and I'm, I'm all, I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard her hoop stats. Yeah. I poked around it a little bit before, uh, earlier today in anticipation of the podcast. And I mean, shout out to Maddie Monahan of, of the Drake Bulldogs for true shooting percentage of 71.6% the nation. <laughs> 71.6% true shooting percentage is crazy. I think I, I clicked on her too, and I actually don't have the page pulled up, but her, her effective field goal percentage was above 72 and that made my eyes pop. So. That was yeah, one I mean, the site looks really cool, and if you you should definitely be signing up for it because a lot of their stats are like um, not not proprietary, but you need access to like you know see ranks of yep. like three point rate and free throw rate, and those are those are valuable numbers. Yeah, and just just being the fact that it needs to come to the it needs to it needs to catch up, right? The, the for sure, it, yeah, it needs to catch up. The amount of data that's out there needs to catch up, and and they're doing a great job at doing it. Um. One of the other things was sports betting too. That yes. I'm sure that was like, I'm surprised like Adam Silver didn't roll up like in a like a casino's jacket or something at Sloan because he's very been very much in favor of. Well, he he declined to come this year. He he was there last year, um, and he talked about that a little bit last year as well. He, I mean, the NBA has been one of the most radical. I mean, the most radical league as far as embracing it, um, and, and everyone else coming around. The MLB is obviously. I mean. The MLB basically owns a sports book because, you know, they're partners with uh, DraftKings. Who it, it, they're about to – DraftKings is about to open up sports books online or at least trying to. And, uh, yeah, so the idea about sports betting was there. Uh, it, it, is, it is an area – it's going to come and it's a matter of how we're going to do it, right? And they're talking about the integrity fee and the 1%. And I'm of the opinion that's not the way to do it. Uh, I won't spoil my article too much. Uh, it's coming over the weekend for CNBC uh, about the integrity fee and uh, basically how this $6 billion potential industry could fail 
if they don't do it right. Ooh, because you need to send me that when you publish it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so. I mean, Forbes estimated that there was a six billion dollar industry underground, right? Like people who are betting with their bookies offshore, and they're comfortable doing that. Those are the people that you need to shift over to legalized betting, and to do that, you're going to say, okay, instead of being the underground market, now you're going to be taxed. And then now the NBA is saying, hey, we want 1% on top of that. So that is going to shift the margins. And they're not going to, the books, they're not going to take out, they're not going to take that away from their juice. They're not going to take that away from their handle. They're going to pass that on to the betters via adjusted odds. And for your heavy hitters, they're not going to come over and say, hey, like I, I'm not going to pay minus 115 over minus 110. I'm going to stay where I am. The legalization of it doesn't matter for them. They're, they've been betting for so long, and the NBA is going off of – they're studying what Australia is doing. And what Australia has is a great product, but it's been legal for so long. They don't have the underground infrastructure that U.S. has. And I won't spoil anything too more. I'll let Arjun, if you want to like, uh, continue on this. But, yeah, you, you guys should check it out. Uh, I'll pass it along. But, yeah, it, it's a real problem of how to do it. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get into to how to do it uh, because that's that's for people way smarter than I am. Um, you're a data but, scientist. Yeah, but I mean, I'm like tangential data ish scientist, but not. It's a hell of like a job making, title, dude. I'm. I like making pretty pictures and interpreting <laughs> data for for people who are have no time to interpret the data. Right. Uh-huh. That's that's my job. <laughs> um, Hence the TPA charts, um, but but no, I it's everyone I talk to, everyone seems to be in favor of it. Like like the only people who are against it, it seems like are the rich rich people who own casinos. Like they're the ones who don't want to share the wealth, um, and they're the ones who whose hands are in the politicians' pockets. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that, but how politi- politics is screwed up. But <laughs> but. No, it seemed like everyone I talked to was was into it, and we 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 met actually. Shout out to the Action Network. Um, talked to talked to a handful of people there. Uh, Matt Moore was there. He just moved over from CBS Sports to uh, to the Action Network. But but it seems like everyone's in. Everyone's in. Everyone whose data focus is in, and and you can help help make your terminations with the data. Um, but. Literally, I could, I did not talk to a single person at Sloan who said that they were anti sports betting. It seems like only a matter of time. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a question of if or how. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's still a question of how, but it, it's just it's a matter of when at this point. Yeah, it, it's it's like think about it like a first principle. Like, okay, why should it be legal? Well, why sh- why should it be illegal? In a way, and you know, if you look at it like Politics. that, then it becomes a matter of. It, it just becomes a matter of how do we do this? And I think that's the next discussion. I mean, I, it'll be in many states. It, it, it's, it's likely to be in many states by, by football season, by, by next football season. So I, 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 I'm curious how the NBA is going to take it because they're going to have some time to actually look at it before. But the, the NFL is, is going to be the first league that actually has to deal with this as a multi-state problem. Or multi-state um, issues. States that are against it make no sense because I feel like the revenue that they would generate from it would be absurd. Yeah, except the people who who own all the money in That's, that state. You mean own the politicians in that state? <laughs> yeah, because they have all the money in that state. 
Um, so the, the last, last, last thing I want to get to, and you both can feel free to decline if there was nothing, was there anything you found out at Sloan about the league, behind the scenes, you don't need to mention any names about who you talked to that you just found super interesting, anecdotes, anything, one thing that stood out um, since you left that you want to throw out there, and I'll start with Arjun. Um, for me personally, I just how, many, how hungry people are for data um, throughout the league. There's, there's, and not even just throughout the NBA, uh, just throughout sports. It's just there are executives, there are, there are, um, there are just other other company owners who are fiending for data, and I think that's super interesting. It's super, and it's especially, um, especially interesting with NBA, right? They're they're at the forefront of all of this, well, behind the MLB, but there's. Everyone is willing to pay. It's a premium for data. So if you're out there doing data collection, um, you should probably reach out to some executives. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, I would say, like, over the weekend I heard, and I, I, is Jalil Okafor a bad word on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, not NBA Matt's own Adam Spinella has a crusade in favor of Ja. But, yeah, I heard, like, the, the Nets were not – they're not thrilled with what they got, right? But like they also didn't give up much, so they're also being really patient. They got a second and, round pick for that deal. Like I just that I feel like that's why they did that deal in the first place. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know maybe I mean maybe this I mean the second round picks are valuable. I mean these picks are valuable. They're, they're liquid. They're like cigarettes in prison, as as Daryl would say. Oh, <laughs> oh, Daryl Morey literally compared compared uh, second round picks to cigarettes in prison. It was nuts, and everyone got everyone went wild. Sam Hankey somewhere yelled out "Amen" after that <laughs> sentence was dropped. You know who you... doesn't? You know who doesn't? Who's never been to prison? Garpax. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's that's a good metric. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> um, was did it, oh, and the, all right. The final last question: Were either of you excited or geeked out? I guess this would be mostly for Arjun. Um, or just shocked that someone that you talked to knew about MBA math, semi, a semi-important person that knew what MBA math was. Dude, you know what's crazy is... is Nobody knows I, who I introduced, math is. Dude, I, I, I introduced myself true, as part of it, as, as one of the co-owners of NBA math, right? Someone who's, who's running co- uh, NBA math. And everyone, every almost everyone knew. It was nuts, like... Like everyone had been familiar with the TPA charts, and and I guess I guess things flowed out there. But like, talk to Evan Wash, um, uh, the the VP of analytics for the NBA. He he had seen our stuff, right? And and Seth Part now, like there there are guys who had who had seen our stuff, and which is insane, right? The brand brand was strong, and I just want to shout out uh, Chris and Alex Rickling. Uh, they they showed up to a bar. Uh, they showed up to a bar with me. Um, on uh, on Saturday night, wearing uh, NBA math T-shirts under their suits. <laughs> that is awesome. They're male models. Yeah, they they were our models for the for the weekend. <laughs> well, that's but I, I will say, like last year, I went to Sloan and I like I was like talking to people about NBA math, and you know, like there were people that knew who what it was and, and knew the product. This year, it was it was so much different. It was it was. Like, like there was just so many more people that like knew what it was, and they're like, "Oh, they started talking to me about like something that just happened, or like like an article that was published." I'm like, "Oh, like this person's TPA is too high," and I'm like, "I'm like, this is so different than last year." It's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know what this is." 
So it's definitely it's definitely a brand that has has grown and a brand that is that is continuing to grow, and it, it's a beautiful thing. Adam and Arjun deserve all the credit for that, but I'm going to gladly accept all of the credit for it. <laughs> um, that was a great pod, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed hearing more about Sloan. I didn't, again, I just didn't have time to follow along with it too much. Um, it was also cool. I thought you guys got to go in to what was supposed to be like a secret Obama conference and turned out like the whole thing was leaked and I read it and he didn't even say anything. Did you? Well, you were there. This will be the final thing. Did, were, you, like, were you at all like, why the hell does it need to be secret? Because I didn't read I, anything that made me think, oh, it's a good thing that there was a non-disclosure agreement like ingrained into this. Yeah, we talked about it afterwards, and we were like, "Why? Why was there a media blackout?" Um, I guess it was probably by probably like the protect... CIA or Secret Service or anything. No, it was pro- probably just to protect protect the the content. But seeing as as is all leaked anyway, but but <laughs> no, I I was kind of hoping like like it was a media blackout because he was going to like drop something. Like I thought he was going to like say, "Oh, I'm yeah. actually buying the Chicago Bulls." Yeah, right? purchase the Bulls. <laughs> no, instead he said that he would like to sign with the Spurs. So that's a, yeah. that's a gut check for you Bulls fans. <laughs> oh, that, yeah! Wow! Yeah. Um, anyway, you should be following both of these guys on, on Twitter. Arjun is the technical director at NBA Math, and for people in the market, for a data analyst consultant, uh, at Cap Tech Listens is where he works. He's the CEO and founder of AdVWeb. I don't even know what how to pronounce that. Can you pronounce it for us, Arjun? Avidi. Avidi. He is the CEO and co-founder. If you need some web design help, hit, hit me up. Go at- to NBA Math site, amongst other places. Yeah, um... <laughs> You can and you can follow him at Arjunbug twenty one. Again, that is at A R J U N E B U G two one. Definitely follow Chris and and look for that article on sports betting that he is going to publish at CNBC. You said right. Um, he writes over there. Staff writer for Hoop R- Rumors, contributor for NBA Math. Um, he is now a podcast guest of Hardwood Knox. I feel like that should just go in your bio somewhere now. That's gonna go at the top of my resume. I'm gonna put it up there. even better. That's a, that's a good way to never get hired by anyone ever again. <laughs> um, definitely follow him on Twitter at CW underscore Kraus, C-R-O-U-S-E. You can follow me on Twitter if you want for my ramblings at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. You can follow Andy Bailey, who deserted you for this evening, at Andrew D. Bailey, spelled exactly like it sounds. Make sure you're following our sponsor, MBA Math, at MBA underscore Math. Also follow Hardwood Knox at Hardwood Knox. Get your, get just hit follow on all these people right there, and it or at least leave me off and then follow everybody else. I'd appreciate that. Since Andy's here, not here, we only have to give one shout out, and that is to Kyle Anderson. Until next time. <laughs> Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.